That kid is back on the escalator again. Yes, ma'am. Sandy, you're the only person I know who can make yes, ma'am sound like screw you. Yes, ma'am. All I want is a refund. Refund? Refund? Are you crazy? Refund? 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 Hello. This is a demonstration of a talking A donkey's bray, a chicken's bark. A screeching rat says ticking clock. Sounds, no matter how you use them, can make a sweet sound of music. That's an incantation by the poet Doris Sprang. Hi, welcome to the Talking Pictures Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jake, and with me is Leonard. How you doing, Leonard? I'm doing good. Do you like my How little poem you? there? Good. Yeah, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I wrote a lot of poems when I was 10. Even uh, when I was 10 or... No, when I... But they were not serious poems, but they're like... Uh, you know Roald Dahl, the writer? Oh, yeah, you're a fan. Yeah, he wrote a lot of, like, funny rhymes when... Uh, and I was very inspired by those. So I, mm-hmm. when I was 10 or 11, I... I published a book that, that really published and like there were three copies of it where okay. like I, I poems I wrote with uh, illustrations I made myself. Gotcha. I don't own a copy of that anymore, so I can't show oh. you anything of it. Well, They're sucks. in Dutch anyway. Oh yeah. I wouldn't be able to read it. Yeah. Um, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. Good. Um, well, today we're going to be, it's our part two. Yes. Of our first. <laughs> we're so professional. I'm so proud of us. Yeah, we're just like, hey. And then they're like, hey, how's it going? While I'm in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gotta have fun with it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. If people want, like, a good, serious recording with actual insight, they need to go somewhere else. Yeah. They need to get out because they're not they're not gonna get it here. Just like when I say We're wax warning stuff. You. <laughs> just like when I say wax stuff like Do you believe Eliza Hitman is Fastbender by way of neorealism? And then you're just like, No. And be like, Okay, moving on then. <laughs> you you had something you wanted to apologize for, you said uh Okay, yes. Um, so in our first episode, I cut a promo on the very famous French filmmaker, uh, Jean-Luc Godard. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, he has never worked a hard day in his life. Uh, I have since learned that is false. Uh, he worked on a construction site, so he has at least attempted to work. Yeah. But he only got the job because of his mom's lover. I imagine him working on a construction site is something like... Uh, Charlie Chaplin in Payday. Yeah, that's about right, probably. Yeah. yeah. If you um, get that reference, good. If not, I'm not going to explain it. Just watch it. Yeah. It's, it's a short. You can yeah. watch it. Um, dang, we're really abrasive today. <laughs> we're just scaring away our audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, fucking but, deal uh, with it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, um, 
So, um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about our, uh, some of our favorite, uh, first time watches of 2020 because it was such a great year. We need to keep talking about it, you know? Yeah. But we wanted to, there's nothing I want to do more than think about the great year of God's Trolls 2020. (laughs) I just want to relive it over and over again. I mean, other than like you and I having a friendship now and seeing uh, two of my friends getting married. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020 sucked big green donkey dick. Is it also from that poet of yours? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Doris Spring is real. Um, uh, I, uh, I was referencing an opening of an episode of Check It Out with Dr. Steve Brule. He always opens. He always opens the show with a poem, mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, I've been watching I'm, a lot of that lately. Yeah, I also have something to apologize for. Oh, what's In, that? Uh, the House of Usher episodes, which uh, yeah. which is just released at the time that we're yep. recording this. Yeah, I uh, I talk about Le Voyou. as a movie that Tarantino would be inspired by, and then never admits. He has yeah. seen it, but apparently he has admitted he has seen it. So oh snap! Like we you shouldn't I... we shouldn't insult filmmakers like that anymore. Like we can <laughs> come back to bite us. So it's we like just many... like which filmmakers can we insult without uh, repercussions? Woody Allen. Yeah, that's true. I yeah, that's let's just only insult Woody Allen from now on. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so today we're going to talk about some of our favorite first time watches of 2020 and, um, yeah, but, um, I know you and I had talked about, we have some movie related new year's resolutions. Uh, I have some as well. Um, I wanted to hear what some of yours were first. I have only one really. I mean, technically two. Okay. But, uh. No, I just want to watch more silent movies this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you already sent me a couple for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Thank you for yeah. that. Oh, happy belated birthday. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, so I already watched some Chaplin this this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the 22nd of January as we speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, I already also watched some uh, Austrian uh early movies by Ernst Lubitsch yep and they're really fun uh so I'm gonna try to keep that up and maybe if I watch enough we can do like a silent episode yeah run in the season I'd be totally down for that I, I'm sure you would be you know I would be yeah you're from everyone who I interact with on Twitter you're the most into silent movies other than Everyone movies are... silently, but yeah. Yeah, but I don't interact with her. We don't friends. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that's not ins- that's me not I like that's not me insulting her by the way, but like it's you know there's a difference between someone you follow yeah. on Twitter and someone who yeah. you actually talk to on a regular basis. Yeah. Um But uh you said you had and, kind of a second one? Yeah, yeah. I also I also just want to watch one more Fellini movie at least this year because I saw La Strada in like 2017 or no, 2018 mm-hmm. in uh, 
in the cinema deck, and I've never watched another Fellini movie since. So, oh, wow. So I want to watch more of those. That's, like, I like to just go with the flow, and, like, I watch what I end up watching. Like, I, like yeah. when the cinema deck will reopen again, like, mm-hmm. probably, like, a lot of what I will see will uh, depend on what's playing there or what's on yeah. streaming on movie, like, those kind of things. Yeah. I did, by the way, in reference to our second episode, mm-hmm. uh, The Mirror, Tarkovsky's The Mirror, sounds like it's getting a re-release. Yeah. I, I, also, I saw it today, and it's, I was surprised that it's not on Blu-ray yet in the States because it's here, yeah. on Blu-ray here for a while now. Oh really? Yeah, it's been on Blu-ray for a year for the last two years or something. Oh, okay. The I I in Amsterdam uh, released uh, I think they, like five or six of his movies. They uh, they did like a four K restorations of them. That's okay. that's been a couple of years ago. So okay. I like I uh, I once bought like. Uh, I paid eight euros for like a stalker Blu-ray, and then like half a year later, I I encountered uh, a Graffsy box set for like thirty euros, and was like, ah, damn it! Yeah, I should probably buy that one day. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I uh, I wrote down some resolutions, New Year's resolutions, movie related. Um, I recently, I know I talked about it on Twitter. Uh, probably wouldn't shut up about it. Um, yeah, that sounds like you. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I recently did my yearly, I'm going to make it yearly now, rewatch of the story of film and Odyssey, the Mark Cousins documentary series. And um, I watched it with a notebook in hand mm-hmm. and I had over 13 pages of notes. Yeah. And uh, wrote down a bunch of titles, directors, um, what else? Uh, Ideas, Mm -hmm. comments in general. At one time, I just put capitalism, exclamation point. And I think I wrote it down just because I was mad at the whole of film history. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm going to try and watch a lot. Rewatch, revisit, discover new stuff from that list Mm -hmm. this year. Um, also, uh, I just want to take it easy, cheesy, you know what I mean? When I'm watching Mm -hmm. movies, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, be like, oh, I just watched a Varda, an Agnes Varda movie. I need to watch something that's so dire and like vulgar, like, like an, that's not right. Not dire and vulgar, but like something that's considered quote unquote low brow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm yeah. in the mood to watch a lowbrow movie, I'm going to watch a lowbrow movie. You know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So, I'm going to just try and, like I said, take it easy, cheesy. Uh, that's my new motto going into 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is that also by that poet of yours? Or... <laughs> no, but it's from the same show. <laughs> I was close. Yeah, you were. Um, and on a personal level... Uh, you and I have talked about this briefly on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to make my own films. And this year, I'm making it a goal, not a resolution, to film something, anything. Yeah. You know, whether it be 
a really short short or you know something a little bit more ambitious than that i want to make something this year as long as you don't do anything illegal i will support you in it okay thank you if you don't I'll... like that's filmed like neighbors in the shower or something like oh that. no i'm not gonna i should have been a little bit more clear that, you know. <laughs> i'm but just messing okay... with you i know you are but you're okay with me like stealing shots right like gorilla style filmmaking why not yeah, I just Larry Cohen the shit out of it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so those are my re- resolutions. Um, also, I really want to read more like director's books. Mm-hmm. So um, if anybody who's listening to this and has, you know, you mean like of... Cronenberg on Cronenberg's, those kind of Stuff books? like that, you know, like stuff that people have found helpful and, mm-hmm. you know, they listen to the show. Um if you guys have any suggestions, let me know. I'd love to hear them. Just something practical and something that you can learn from. Because, you know, I'm not going to school for this. I'm I'm learning hashtag Tarantino style, baby. <laughs> In the video store? No, our, actually, you know, what's really sad is our local video store just closed down. Okay. It was a family I, I've video. I've never been in the video store in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, our library is still open, so there's that. Yeah. Um, that was the same video store that I accidentally walked into the porn section of. Accidentally, yeah. No, it, it said, more deals back here. And I'm thinking, oh, man, maybe this is where they've got, like, you know, harder to find stuff. And, yeah, I or guess porn. it was harder to find. <laughs> 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 But, um, but yeah, so, um, do you know roughly how many movies you watched last year? Uh, 462 or something. Hmm. That was like, but like a lot of those were shorts. Yeah, I did about the same thing. Yeah, so, yeah, I think I had about like 462 or something above that, like entries on other boxed. Yeah, it looks like I watched four or three hundred and fifty nine movies. Mm-hmm. I'm um, gonna wait. Uh, I'm gonna look up what I had. But you, you just keep talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched four hundred and twenty point six hours of stuff. Yeah. Hashtag four twenty blazing. Um. Uh, yeah, I watched a lot of good stuff. Uh, my, uh, it's not an official pick, but my best discovery of the year Mm -hmm. was, uh, Olivia, the movie I talked about in the first episode. Yeah, you've watched that like three times. Yep, three times. And I watched it for the first time this past year, so. Mm -hmm. Um, I also saw Cats this year, which was very unfortunate. We don't have to talk about cats every episode. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to do an entire show on it, just give me a heads up. No, I don't want to be that scarred. I'll have notes, but they won't be nice things to say. But Taylor Swift is in it. You like Taylor Swift. Leonard, even Taylor Swift could not save the atrocities that was the 2019 film version of Cats. Even Taylor Swift. 
Yep. Disappointed. That's all down to direction. And that's what uh, cats lacked. Um, that's James Gordon? Or <laughs> was that asshole Colts? <laughs> <laughs> Who's who? James Gordon or something. Yeah, I can't it's... stand him. Most of the people in the movie I don't like. I'm not a big Rebel Wilson fan. I'm not a big James Corden fan. And everybody else I've never heard of except for Taylor Swift. Well, isn't Judy Dench and Ian McCallan and Iris Elba in that? Yeah, but they're horribly miscast. They're cats. Ian McKellen literally in the middle of the movie, I was worried that he was having a stroke on camera. <laughs> like it was that bad. You're, you're only making me excited to see it. It's not something you should be excited to see. Um, Did you get your, your stuff pulled up? Yeah. Uh, so I indeed had to watch 462 movies in uh, mm -hmm. 2020 and... That uh, comes down to a total of six, 675 hours. Oh, wow. Nice. And I reviewed 87 movies, apparently. Uh, and how many... Uh... Okay. Uh, so... Movies, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um... This is just good. This is just good editing fodder. <laughs> yeah, I just want, um, to, want to make it too easy on you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, to earn your marks. I am Thelma's schoolmaker. Um. Okay. Um. So. Um. You picked four movies. Uh, no, four different topics, but actually three uh, movies and one gotcha. general thing. Okay, so you picked. I the uh, I just uh, just kind of picked five movies, but we don't have to. In fact, I'm not really super confident on one of them. So uh, we'll see where it ends up. Like, yeah, give that one for last, and if we're already tired by then, we I'll can just, just like, end the episodes. And I'll just be like, Cats is my number five favorite. You know. <laughs> first pick of the year, or you know, first watch. I think you um, secretly watch cats, but you can't no, admit. I really don't. There's Is only two people. There's only two people that could have made that movie successfully: okay. John Waters and Baz Luhrmann. Not Baz Luhrmann, all right. You don't like Baz Luhrmann? He's terrible. Oh well, then I guess. Oh, that doesn't uh, bode well for my. That was one of the names I wrote down for the story of film this year, so... Uh, what what movies have you seen by him? None. Well, I've seen parts of Romeo plus Juliet. So but... you're just you're saying like he would make a, made a good uh, version of that movie even though you don't know him? I saw, I've seen clips of Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge is, has like one great scene and the rest of it is awful. Oh, I oh no. I really had like... like I had to... Sit, I had to, had to try it like three times before I could finish it. Ooh, that's... The Great Gatsby is awful. Like you should, you should, you and should you know that's that. my favorite book. Yeah, so. because you're an English major. <laughs> <laughs> I was the refer us to the second episodes. Yeah, yeah references, baby. We're postmodern. You're the Tarantino's of podcasts. We're, we're also way too long. Yeah. 
We need a good editor. Yeah. Thelma Schoolmaker, call us, please. No, John Arminio, we should talk to him. <laughs> oh, forgot. He's our Thelma Schoolmaker. Am I saying her last name right? I mean, it's technically a Dutch name. I mean, she's not born in Holland. So if you would just read it as it was written, it would be Schoenmaker. Okay. But if you, I think you should pronounce it like Schoenmaker or something. Okay. Uh, this has been another episode of a podcast within a podcast, Learning with Leonard. So one of the movies I watched this year that I uh, loved, mm-hmm. and this is one, I don't know if you've seen this one or not, but this can be one for you to watch this year. It's a silent film. It's from 1916. It's Shoes, directed by Lois Weber. I have not seen it, but uh, it's streaming on the, like I mentioned, I just recently, like yeah. I Museum in Amsterdam, well, they have some movies streaming on there. And Shoes is one of them. It is one of those movies that came out a year after, um, you know, Birth of a Nation. Yeah. And in 60 minutes, it does what Griffith did in three hours. You you have not seen Birth of a Nation, is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> um, but I've tried. It's my I... Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I, but le- uh... more problematic. Yeah, uh, I I have, haven't found the courage to watch a three-hour silent movie that's just racism top to bottom, so... Yeah, um, it's kind of like watching movies directed by Lenny Riefenstahl. Who, 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 is, that, is that the Nazi propagandist? Yes, Triumph yeah. of the Will, yeah. Yeah. Um, I but... think she was like in the top ten of the, like, the BBC uh, best movies directed by women... People will call the BBC out on that. Like, <laughs> well, I guess she's a pretty great director, but she just used her powers for evil instead of good. But like top ten is a bit too much. Yeah, it's a little. That's a little much. Like also, you you have to if they consider like how many critics must have put it in their top ten. That's probably pretty high to get it that high. Like, yeah, definitely. Um. Like from if you can only pitch ten and you're gonna pick that one of those ten, like yeah, um, I do plan on. I, there's just this internal struggle, getting back to Birth of a Nation, of like, should I watch this because it's history, or should I watch it, because that way I can say yes, I've seen it, and yes, it's a piece of shit. You know what I mean? I mean. Boats don't, uh, this, like you, you, I mean, boats don't cancel each other out. I mean, right, but you, you can watch through history and then, like, still hate it. And, like, yeah, exactly. Um, you own it, right? I think I do. I think I got it from, uh, oh, what's Twilight Time? Twilight Time, yes. That's, yeah, I that's got it. Label. Got it for dirt cheap, just because yeah. I wanted to be able to. It's got a lot of other good double features on it. Mm. So okay, I I didn't want to derail your entire shoes thing with no, Bird but uh, shoes is uh, it's just about a girl mm-hmm. who works to support her poor family, and um, her dad doesn't work. He's lazy. Yeah. Um, 
and she's the only one working. She's, you know, pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, and she needs a new pair of shoes. And it gets to the yeah. point where she uh, has to make a decision about how to buy the shoes. Mm-hmm. And for the time, it's still pretty uh, pretty uh, risky. Yeah. And I won't say much about it. I don't want to give too much away because it's, it's a movie that's really good. It's just so good. You know, Lois Welber made Suspense. Yeah, I watched that for the first time last year, and that was that made my letterbox list of uh, top fifty discoveries. Yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great uh, movie. Um, Douglas, not Douglas Fairbanks, Griffith took credit for it for years. Surprise, surprise. You um, mean a man took credit for a woman's work? Unheard I- of. Inconceivable. <laughs> When you said inconceivable, all I could see is uh, Wallace Shawn from uh, Princess Bride. Inconceivable. Yeah, I certainly wasn't referencing that. (laughs) Um, But uh, Lois Weber is somebody... I have another one of her movies on my uh, DVR that I recorded off of TCM that I'm definitely going to... Definitely going to watch. She's somebody I'm going to try and explore more of her work this year. We can talk about it on the silent episode. Yes, that's what I was hoping to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, So what was uh, one of your topics? Well, I'm going to start with just a like, general topic. Yeah, go ahead. Way. Uh, this year, I finally was able to get started with certain director's filmographies that uh, I was kind of holding off for non-specific reasons, except that I was somewhat intimidated by them. Yeah. Uh, Fassbinder is one of them. Hmm. Uh, like, I watched five or six of his movies this year, and I think, like, oh, like, you know how people talk about Fassbinder? Like, he's this, uh, like, the heaviest of art house that you can imagine. Like, it, like it, Fassbinder movies don't sound like fun. No, and they well, are Yeah, exactly. They're not. Like, they're very... They can be very depressing. But they are um, also very accessible in a way... Yes. That, ...that I don't think is uh, often clear when people talk about him. Mm-mm. But uh, his movie, The Marriage of Maria Brown... Yep, which I also ...otherwise known as The Ea de, Ma- de Maria Brown. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's my favorite movie I discovered last year. I watched it twice. It's, it's so good, but not in a way that I can really explain. Like if I would show mm-hmm. it to someone and they would be like, what, why, why is this yeah. happening? Why is she acting like that? I wouldn't be able to explain it. It's just Wait. like, it makes sense for me. And if it doesn't for you, like, yeah, because it's works both as a melodrama of like, well, kind of Marlene Dietrich kind of leads character, but it's also yeah. social commentary. Right. It's a rare movie that can do both so perfectly without diminishing one or, one or the other. Yeah. But I also watched uh, Antonioni, the first two Antonioni movies. Uh, like, not his first two, but I watched, uh, what was it, La Ventura mm-hmm. and uh, La Notte. And... And I, like, 
for some reason, I only heard people talk about Antonioni as I don't like him. Like, I rarely yeah. have encountered people who actually enjoy this movie. I don't think you were a fan of La Ventura. Um, it's been a while, but yes, I wasn't. Um, I just, I remember I watched it and I just felt dead inside afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the point. And I was about to say, that's probably the point, but I had yeah. been... That was during my uh, discovery of, like, foreign cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, like, you know, going from, like, uh, Godard and Truffaut and Fellini to La Ventura. Yeah, Fellini and uh, Antonioni weren't best friends, exactly. No. No, they do not... They're not compatible whatsoever. Nah. No. No, uh... <laughs> But, uh, like, I was, I didn't expect to like Antonioni movies, but then after seeing those two, I was like, of course I enjoyed them. They're about uh, loneliness and isolation. Of course I didn't <laughs> like those movies. Yeah. I also watched, the, like, I had seen one Varda movie, Agnes Varda movie. Mm-hmm. Before this year, I had seen Faces Places. Mm-hmm. But I had not seen anything else. Yeah. And uh, now I've, like, one weekend I watched, like, six of her movies. Mm. And then I also watched uh, Hard to Be a God that weekend. So Jesus was, Christ, yeah, dude. All Shout three out to Martin hours. Kessler. Yeah. But, like, uh, you mentioned Truffaut and Godard. Yes. Like, also uh, watched uh, their movies for the first time this year. Yeah. And uh, Ozu. Did you watch Ozu for the first time this year? Yeah, I watched Good Morning and yes. uh, what's it called? Uh, a Story of Floating Weeds I also watched this year. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah, it's, that, that's great. I think the most recent silent movie I've ever seen, or no, Modern Romance is a uh, no, not, not Modern Times is a year later. <laughs> I, uh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Now we should have like uh, Albert Brooks remake a Chaplin movie just to see what he does with it. I'd be okay with that, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah I would be too. I like, would want him to remake uh, specifically. Um, that's, this is a. I, I actually would love to see him remake City Lights. Okay, we should add him on Twitter. He's, yeah. he's on Twitter. We should say the same remake City Lights, and that's that's all. <laughs> Just pester him every day. <laughs> hey, you should remake City Lights. <laughs> yeah. Get kicked off. Yeah. Yeah, we would be blocked very easily. Yeah. Uh, I also watched Melville for the first time this year. Oh, okay. I watched a couple of them, and... Uh, I, Which... Like, I... I uh, started with uh, the samurai, mm-hmm. and that was like a movie where I'm like, "Where has this been all my life? This is amazing." And mm-hmm. um, last but not least uh, is Louis Mal. I watched eleven of his movies last year just by happenstance, yes, because they were streaming on movie, and he's such a fascinating director. Yes, he is. Because he, you know, he doesn't want has like a particular style or anything like that. Uh, so every movie of his, you kind of have to judge judge on their own. Mm-hmm. 
Which is a weird experience when you're binging on a director. Like yeah. Usually you're you're if you're doing that you're uh judging them as a collective, but it's impossible to do with Mal. Yeah. Um and you watched The Fire Within this year, correct? Yes, that was an oh, incredible yeah. movie. We should do um, an episode on The Fire Within. Yes, we should. Uh, those That's a movie that means a lot to me, and I know you really liked it. Um, yeah. My um, favorite, though, was La Cambalusier, which I think is a, like a, a great movie about fascism. Okay. Um Getting back to what Mel, what was the other Melville movie you watched? I watched a couple. I watched uh, Le Cercle Rouge. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, Army of Shadows. Yep. Uh, Le Silence de la Mer. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when you read this letter or something like an early melodrama of his. Okay. Um, so should I watch Le Cercle Rouge like right away? Because it's leaving the Criterion Channel this month. Yes, you should watch it tonight. It's like it's a good, like as like essentially like people say starts with the samurai, but the samurai is actually like not like any of his other movies. Like I mean, it's a Melville movie, of course, and you can see like certain things, but it's the like furthest possible version of it, version of his style. And Le Cercle okay. Rouge is more is general, closer to what he generally does. He's, gotcha. he's, a, he's one of those weird directors who made some of his best work by the end of his career. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but you like uh, Le Cercle Rouge. It's, that's an incredible movie. Yeah. Like one of the great crime movies of all time. And I do love. Uh, I I remember having trouble with Melville for some reason. What what have you seen? Un flic. Un flic. Un flic. Un flic. Sure. And <laughs> uh, les samurai. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't really remember having a ton of like. Um. A ton of to remember about Le Samurai, like kind of like it's it's a pretty stripped down movie in its essence. So I understand what you mean. Yeah, I need to revisit it. Um, Le Cercle Rouge has more like flavor is not the right word, but it's a little bit more intricate. It's it's not as stripped down as Le Samurai. Yeah, because the samurai is pretty. Um, yeah, it's pretty stripped down and pretty simple. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. Um, and un flick, I just hated. It. it was boring. I I haven't seen it, so uh, I have a box set of his movies, so I'll get to it eventually. Um, but I need to watch more of his work. I think those are the only two that I didn't that I I watched. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gets back to our conversation where I watch the most, uh, what is it you said that I do? You watch, like, the not very acclaimed movies of a director. You watch one or two of those, and then you're like, I don't like this director. I don't, I don't see what other people see. Case in point, David Cronenberg. Well, yeah. no, I, well, no, I only watched there Rabbit. Another, there was another director you 
you also we were talking did this about. with recently. I don't know who we were talking about, but was it Mike Lee? Yeah, you you had seen one Mike Lee. What, what which one was it? I had seen one movie in a short, but after the short, I'm ready to uh, revitalize. But the only movie I'd seen was Meantime. Yeah, and it's only because I saw the Safety brothers talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they kept raving about it, and they're like, "This movie's so good," and it's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. And I still have. It's not a very a... good place to start with. So. No. But yeah, I I have that issue with directors. You also uh, sometimes you're mad at the director if you've never seen one of their movies, like Baumbach. <laughs> which <laughs> you've been talking about him like oh he's a is a Cassavetes clone. He's nothing like Cassavetes. Not Cassavetes. He's I said a wannabe. But it's not it's nothing like Cassavetes. But I don't even like him him that much myself. But yeah, it's it's too quirky to be uh, even wanting to be Cassavetes. Um, he wrote some of the he writes most of the newer uh, Wes Anderson movies now, doesn't yes, he? Yes, uh, he's written a couple of them. Like I think he w- w- was one of the co-writers on uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox and one of the other ones. Hmm. Like uh, your. I think Roman Coppola is one of the other co-writers on yeah. some of their, those movies. Yeah. Um, I think Roman Coppola wrote uh, The Darjeeling Limited, which explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. You have not seen The Darjeeling Limited, have you? No, but I've heard nothing but, like, nothing but not good things about it. Yeah, I... I for some reason, I really liked it the first time I saw it because I was 15. It's a movie that you think is deep when you're 15. And then you, you will watch it a couple of years later and you're like, this is bullshit. But it, it's, it's probably has Wes Anderson's best soundtrack and, it, and his best opening scene. Okay, that's fair. Um. So I would still I I own it on DVD actually, <laughs> and, and I probably won't uh won't uh, give it away soon or something. I, yeah. I'll probably hold on to it for. It's kind of like how I own a copy of The Dark Knight. Just to remember, like the the person you were. Mm-hmm. That way, I carry it with me all the time. What, okay. What's the next on your list, buddy? Um, this one's a little bit of a more deeper cut. Uh, it's called Wicked Women, Woman, from 1953. Uh, okay. It's directed by Russell Russell Rouse. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so imagine the equivalent of a dime store novel. Okay, and then they turned it into a noir. Okay, but it's on. It's almost bordering on exploitation. This sounds fascinating. Continue. So the basic plot is, uh, it's just, this is the letterboxed plot, Mm -hmm. is a trashy blonde lures a saloon owner away from his wife. And uh, it has uh, Percy Helton. Mm -hmm. Do you know who that is? No. If you saw a picture of him and heard his voice, you probably would. But um, he he plays uh, the woman's neighbor. Okay. And he's he's hardcore, you know, simping on her, you know, being a simp. Yeah. 
Yeah, continue. Uh, and, uh, you know, she doesn't have it. At first, she kind of humors him, but, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really good. Um, I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon Prime. Um, I discovered this uh, via TCM and uh, Eddie Muller, who hosts uh, Noir Alley. And uh, there's a lot of movies I discovered because of him. He gets mm. some of those, like, real deep cut stuff. Sometimes it's like, it's not really noir, it's just kind of a crime picture. I mean, noir is such a loose term anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, it's on Amazon Prime. I mm-hmm. don't know if the, um, the print's real good, because when I watched it, it was pretty washed out, even on TCM. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't made by, like, a major studio. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think you would find it really interesting. It's nothing, like, groundbreaking. Are um, you going to say it's not Citizen Kane? Listen here, dude. You just <laughs> talked about doing inside jokes here, and now you're doing one. Yeah. <laughs> um, You can get this out if you no, want. No, I'm keeping it in. I'm keeping okay, this in, dude. baby. Um, this is the but, kind of that is a podcast. We're keeping everything in. Hell yeah! Well, for, not good, for better or worse, I love Casavetes. <laughs> by the way, for worse, love- probably in our case, but that's <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> um, but it's just um, it's just uh, it, like I said, it just feels like a dime store novel. Um, like you could easily put the people who people who were in the movie on the cover and you wouldn't like bat an eyelash um but yeah it's for everybody that has uh tcm access to tcm uh noir alley is the best thing on that network in my opinion um but uh usually and i think I remember when I blogged it, I was one of the few people that had actually seen it mm. out of all the people I follow, which is always kind of cool. Um, yeah. In my case, whenever I have that on Letterboxd, like there's always one person who has seen it and that person is back to the cinema. Yep, I was just about to say that. Usually that's what happens with me too. Yeah. A shout out to Back to the Cinema, by the way. Yeah. Shout out to him. I, I can't wait for the moment I can, uh, we can go to the theaters again. I can walk into him. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally? Yeah, sometimes, like, I would, I would uh, walk into the theater and he would walk out of it. Oh, wow. Shout out to Back to the Cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, Just to make sure he has heard it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this is uh, a movie that uh, has been occupying my mind for like the last half year. It's called Like Grains of Sand. It's a Japanese movie from the 90s. It's uh, directed by... Uh, I'm gonna butcher his name, so apologies. Ryosuke mm-hmm. Hashiguchi. I, I, that's, uh, that should somehow, somehow resemble the actual pronunciation, uh, apologies to Japan. It's a very painful movie, it's a coming-of-age tale, it features uh, several characters, 
uh, one is a, a closeted homosexual who is in love with his best friend who doesn't know that he uh, that he's gay and the best friend is in love with or is at least in a relationship with the with the popular girl of school mm -hmm. but they don't re they don't really seem that interested in each other yeah like not in a mean way but they're just like oh we're in a relationship but they not they're not in love or anything yeah then there is this one girl she's uh she she has just transferred from another school mm -hmm. and uh there's something like shady in her in her past that she doesn't want to talk about she doesn't like conform to any normal season uh mm. but she she acts out and very emotional emotional but and but then it's uh so the the guy who is gay is being discovered by his dad that he he's who he is and he gets uh like he his father sends him to a psychiatrist to uh to make it go away in a sense and the psychiatrist has to explain like that yeah. that's we don't do that that's not the point Good. that's not yeah so but he still has to like be at the so goes to the psychiatrist and then there he encounters the new girl and they struck a sort of friendship because mm. she was eavesdropping while he was uh talking in the the psych and uh so she she knows his secrets then event then uh the like the best friend uh finds out about him being gay like some like drama and she, uh like drama evolves like he the best friend also falls in love with the new girl and there is one scene that i that was, i it's it's so painful but so good like so mm -hmm. the entire class has found out that this boy is gay and some guys are are like bullying him about it right before gym class oh. and then they're this boy and his best friend are left alone mm -hmm. in the classroom and the best friend stood up to him but oh. uh he doesn't want to admit it, but he, he has a problem with his friend being gay, but he also doesn't want to outright say that. So it's, and it's just like this awkward scene where this boy, like, after mm -hmm. he's just been humiliated in front of the entire class, he goes to his friend and he says, like, like that he's in love with him. Mm -hmm. And, like, the guy isn't really saying anything. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really know how to respond, and the you, you know it's like the the boy is pushing. He's just like, I just want a clear answer. Like either you you love me back or you don't, but just say it. It's like this thing where like they they're kind of pushing each other, like not literally, but mm -hmm. and like they're like he the boy tries to hug him, and it's it's very painful, but so visceral yeah. and just I. I was really in love with this movie, but for like three-fourths of its running time and then in the last 20 minutes, it kind of pushes it too far mm. in a sense that I feel like it's kind of manipulative. 
Gotcha. Uh, I don't want to go into specifics. I still think there's something everyone should see if they can find it. It's on movie here in Belgium. It might be in other places as well. It, like it's still like even though I don't like the ending, I s still have uh, been thinking about it more than any movie since. I mean, like, or at least like I. Like I said, I watched a lot of movies this year. This one has really stuck with me. And like, like I always want to recommend to other people. Yeah. I uh, I just added that to my watch list. Uh, that yeah. sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. It kind of reminded me like, uh, who's the guy who did uh, Vive le Lamour? Uh, oh, Liang. Like it kind of yeah. reminds me of him, but with more talking, like not that much more talking and a little bit less... S slow but like it kind of reminds me of that movie like especially the, the like the boy reminds me of one of the characters of Vive l'amour oh okay uh that's one of the movies on my list from uh story of film yeah have i ever told you about the time i went to see Vive l'amour at uh the flaget in brussels mm -mm. no so uh it had been like Hot as hell and dry as hell for more than a month. And then right after I got off the train in Brussels, it started raining and pouring rain. And I was only, like, I was wearing uh, shorts. I had no jackets. I was oh. just wearing, like, a short-sleeved T-shirt. Uh, so I had to walk for 30 minutes through those rains to get to the theater. Like, for 30, 35 minutes, I arrived soaking wet at the counter to order my tickets i had to buy other <laughs> shoes the next day because they were just ruined oh, they I... were already old shoes I, oh. I already had them for a year and i i i'm the kind of person who only owns one pair of shoes at a time same so, yeah so i was like pouring rain and like my socks were wet it, <laughs> like it was just like not comfortable and then yeah. I sat down for the movie. Then it turned out there were no Dutch subtitles, except even though oh. they were, there was announced that they were. So there was only French subtitles. I'm not good at French, especially when I went to see that movie. I, I've gotten better since, but yeah. at that time I wasn't that great. But then, like the there's not much talk in that movie, so it's mm. like like I could figure out what was being like what was being said because things that were being said weren't very important to begin with yeah they're just kind of so it's like there are, there were worse movies i could have had that like i once watched was at the screen for eyes without a face and that's and that i didn't realize it didn't have any subtitles so and like that opens with a scene where like just people talking on a table and it's all I've ever seen from the movie because after that I walked out because <laughs> I couldn't handle it. That you are saying sorry, <laughs> you just every time. No, I'm I'm really looking forward to watching that movie. Yeah. Both of them, the ones. Uh, I know I know of the ending of uh, that other one, the one that you saw and you were soaked. Vive l'amour. Yeah, the girl, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's a great movie. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch it. Also, um, like I want to watch more of his movies. Like, uh, 
like Rebels of Indian Gods and mm -hmm. those kind of stuff. That's another one of my goals this year. Um, I feel like I don't watch enough Asian cinema. Yeah, I I feel um, the same way. Like I watch. I would know I watch a little bit, but not not yeah. as much as I should. I just we're never watching as much movies as we should. There's always things we neglecting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um. Oh. But yeah, but that's one of them. Uh, this year, uh, one of my goals. Excuse me. Uh, was to watch a lot of westerns, and I yeah. I did pretty good with that. Um, yeah. Uh, it made Jimmy Stewart my most watched actor of the year. So a lot uh, of Anthony Mann movies. Yep, a lot of Anthony Mann movies. Um, uh, you know, Broken Arrow, mm -hmm. Winchester seventy three. Broken yeah. Arrow is not an Anthony Mann. It's a Delbert Delmer Davies one. It's really Isn't good. Isn't that I I thought Broken Arrow was uh an Anthony Mann movie. No, Winchester seventy three is. Uh, Destry Rides Again which we may yeah. be talking about soon. Yeah. Um, the Naked Spur. Mm -hmm. um, okay, I was like, confusing it with The Broken Arrow with The Naked Spur. That's, yeah. That must be it. Um, you know, My Darling Clementine I watched for the first time this year. I still haven't seen that one. I, I, I really think you would really like that one. Uh, yeah, I don't always have the best relationship with John Ford, but I also haven't yeah. watched that many of his movies. Have you seen uh, The Arxbow Incident? No. That's like, I call it 12 Angry Cowboys. It's a, uh, uh, wait, no, that's, that's not Jimmy Stewart. That's Henry Fonda. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Because we were talking about my darling Clementine. Yeah. Um, Johnny Guitar. Um, Johnny Guitar is one of my favorites. That's my I favorite, uh, American Western probably. It's a good one to have as a favorite Western. Yeah. Um, I watched Wagon Master, which is a, a very unexpected uh, John Ford movie. I've seen people mention that a lot. Like that, people always mention that as the secret greatest John Ford movie. It's it's him made without like a, a major studio behind mm -hmm. him. Who who is the lead in that again? Like, is it's that, somebody like real. Is uh, that the Last Picture Show guy? Let me look. The lead from the last, like the old guy in the Last Picture Show. It might be. Let's check here. Um, I I actually this year was uh, how I stopped uh, worrying and learned to love John Ford. Um, Wagon Master. Here it is. Um, Ben Johnson. Yep. Yeah, but he is also in the Wild Bunch, which I already watched this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joanna Drew, Harry Carey Jr., another mm -hmm. uh, John Ford regular. Ward Bond, I think, is another regular. Um, who's also in Johnny Guitar. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I did pretty good uh, Western-wise this year watching uh, new stuff. Uh, I also watched, really got into slashers this year. Slasher films. Yeah, I've noticed. Uh, I don't even my... mean that that's like a joke or no, something. No, I know. Like, I know. We talk. Uh, we talk yeah. in real life, listeners. It might surprise yeah, you. That's life, man. Um, uh, like, like me, real life is taken loosely. We, <laughs> we've never met. Yes. Uh, my Bloody Valentine. 
which is a slasher by way of Cirque. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre, which sounds really, like, uh, exp- expl- exploitive. Yeah, sure. But it's, it's a really good... Sl- it's, like, probably my favorite slasher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas Evil... Just uh, Christmas Evil is that that's actually the driver as a slasher movie. Um, that's, that, that's it the might one with be. with Fiona Apple's dads, right? Yes. Yes, yes I've seen might. that one. Yeah, yes, that's you great. Have. I see that uh, as like the taxi driver of Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, Bloody Birthday. Um, that's a really good one. Whenever I send you that picture of the kid pointing the gun, that's what that's from. Um. Really, I'm almost done with the Friday the 13th series this year. I watched... I still uh, haven't seen one of those. I should really start with that. We can... We, we could... Uh, I could... Yeah. We'll we'll get there. Um, you know, uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, which is probably one of my favorite ones. Um, Halloween 3 and Halloween 2 I watched this year. Yeah. Um, Halloween 3 is really good. Yeah, it um, has a cult now. Yeah, true. Um, Jason Lives, I watched mm-hmm. this year. Um, Jason Goes to Hell, which really isn't a slasher movie. It's more of an action movie. I um, think a lot of action, like on Twitter, like you have horror Twitter, and you have action Twitter, and a lot of action Twitter really leans towards that movie. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and, you know, I watched a lot of uh, Giallo you know, Ten and Bray. Uh, oh, Sleepaway Camp was one I forgot to mention. Um, All the Colors of the Dark. Man, I watched I I watched a lot of horror this year. Uh, you know, I discovered, and this is the year I started watching uh, a lot more action movies, more uh, mm-hmm. martial art movies. Um, I still haven't found many of the Shaw Brother movies that I like love, but um, also, I'm definitely like, you haven't found like. A great sub something like yo like haven't you mentioned like, no. a lot of those that you find are like bad probably with like dubs. bad dubs like yeah. yeah. I was um, watching like a uh, uh martial arts movie recently and I had to stop it because I couldn't handle the dub. Oh my god. I watched last year, I think, or maybe this year. Mm-hmm. Time is no longer a flat line. Um I watched uh Jackie Chan. A Jackie Chan movie, uh, Drunken Master. Have you all, did you also watch the terrible dub? So here's what's crazy about it. Mm-hmm. I watched it this year. Yeah. Um, it started out subtitled. Yeah. And then there would just be random moments where it would be dubbed. Yeah, I watched that too, but there's like, there are two different cuts of that movie. The original cut and the American cut. And I think I watched it on Netflix and it had the American cut and I didn't yeah. like it very much. Um, but I watched, uh, the Jackie Chan, a Jackie Chan favorite, Wheels on Meals, mm-hmm. um, which my, my friend Landon loves. Shout out to Landon. Yeah, it's, it seems like an incredible movie with a terrible title. It, it doesn't sell itself really well. I also, also like, it looks like, uh, like some of the set pieces looks like something out of Mario. Yeah, no, I agree with yeah. that. I, I uh, haven't seen, but I've seen some clips like the the where is the fighting with the candlelight? Yes, that's um, um, I've like sometimes that shows up on Twitter. I watch it like three times and then I move <laughs> on. 
Yeah, I know. I love gifts like that where you're like watching yeah. it like five times. Mm-hmm. And uh, but um, also watched my first John Woo movie this year, The Killer. Uh, and I'm excited to watch more of his. Uh, I watched uh, Bullet in the Hats this year, mm-hmm. which I think is might be the best combination of like his. A stylized violence with, uh, you know, the melodrama that he likes to use in his movies. Like, I think they really, like, mash up really well in that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah I, w- it's, I would like to talk about that on a podcast once. Me too. Let's let's pencil it in, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I watched a lot of good horror. Um, I'm going to put our li- uh, lists our letterbox list in the description. So people mm. actually want to look at our list fully because yeah. we're not going to talk about everything. They can, yeah. We should uh, upload some list on the C4 cinema account. Yep. Um, and uh, I can put our individual lists on there in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I, it was a great year for horror. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so what do you got next, buddy? Okay, so this is a more recent movie. Mm-hmm. I watched it twice this year. It's called Borrow in the Box by uh, director Bertrand Madico. Mm. I mentioned him recently on Twitter where I said, I'm not sure if I actually like Bertrand yeah. Madico movies, but they really fascinate me. This is the one I can honestly say I love, but it's mm-hmm. also because it's uh, the one where he tones down his thing. Yeah. And he kind of gives himself some structure. Hmm. So it's a surreal, mm-hmm. vicious biography of uh, the filmmaker Valerian Borochek. Yeah. Wherein the famous controversial filmmaker is depicted as being born inside a box with a hole in it. Like, what the hell? Yeah, so it's like... His, he himself is a movie camera in a way. <laughs> okay. And kind of the, like it's it has a structure of like it tells a story, and every chapter is like a letter of the alphabet, so it goes from A to Z. Okay, interesting. And it's forty minutes long. It's in black and white. Mm-hmm. It's probably like maybe even top ten of the last decades. Like I really love wow. it so much. Like it's uh, really funny and moving and weird and uh, hmm. like he's kind of like a naive, perverse person at like naive and perverse at the same time. Yeah, it's like I've, I'm so fascinated by it. Like it's like how did this even exist? Like yeah, I uh, I watched Angst this year. Mm-hmm. And that is just like you're saying. It's not a movie that you can say that you love, yeah. But it's it's one that I'm fascinated by just because of how it was made, yeah. Um, and it's it's a completely disturbing film. Mm-hmm. Um, As uh, John Cripps said on Twitter, like, eventually you'll remember more of the movies you're fascinated by than the movies yep. you just like, and it's mm-hmm. very true. Yeah. He's right. I'm still fascinated. Case in point, cats, baby. 
We just have to do the episode. Like you keep bringing it up, it's an obsession. Like it's a trauma. You need to relive it. Okay, we need to have. You need to have it out. Yeah, get it out of your system. I'm gonna write it down because we we (laughs) might we might do it. Yeah. Um, like, I'm I'm saying this now, and then I have to actually watch it and be yeah, like, exactly. Why did I say That's what this? I'm saying. You're <laughs> like, you keep egging me on. Oh, let's do an episode on it. Fine by me, bro. You can relive that trauma with me. Um, I, I listened to like five minutes of this, not, not even five seconds of the soundtrack. I was like, no, I can't do this. The only thing that I uh remembered liking and it was actually one of my top most listened to songs on uh spotify was the song magical mr mistopheles (laughs) 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 the judgment in your eyes was so telling (laughs) uh so you yeah it is Okay. <laughs> What's next on your list? Um, Unless you want so- to talk that some more. <laughs> <laughs> um. No. I. Yeah. No. Shout out to Jake Denton who saw that with me on a double bill. So we saw that first and then saw Knives Out. So you watched two bad movies in a row. Let me tell you this. Seeing Cats first really made me appreciate Knives Out a little bit more. Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> um, uh, so my other This pick... doesn't have James Gordon, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know that scene in Mulholland Drive yeah. where the guy goes around the dumpster and there's like that like figure, like that ugly yeah. guy? I want a meme of that. Except it's James Corden and Cats. And then he's just, oh, you know. That's something you should uh, post when this episode goes out. Like, you should make it by then and post it. Um, so my next pick is, um, so 2020 is the year I can admit that I finally get Douglas Sirk. I get him. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand the hype. Uh, because this year I watched Written on the Wind. Um... Uh, Lauren Bacall, Rock Hudson, Robert Stack, Dorothy Malone. Um, it's a very, uh, I'm just going to say it the best way I can put it. It's a horny movie. I believe you. I know you do. Um, <laughs> a lot of uh, old movies are very horny. People aren't just appreciating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even like some not so subtle phallic, phallic imagery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, isn't Rock Hudson supposed to be like coded gay in it, or is that another one? Is that all that heaven allows? It might be all that heaven allows. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, but he's really good in this. So is Lauren Bacall. She's mm-hmm. great. Um, uh, Dorothy Malone is amazing in this. Uh, yeah. The only person I didn't enjoy in the movie, and maybe it's purposefully, is Robert Stack. Who's Robert Stack again? Um, Are you familiar with the TV show Unsolved Mysteries? The old one? Okay. Um, Well, he originally hosted it. Okay, I'm going to Google him because I I know his name and I probably know him, but you continue talking. Um, It's just such beautiful technicolor. Um, 
Criterion has been upgrading their uh, Cirque DVDs mm-hmm. this year, this past year. They did Magnificent yeah. Obsession, and I'm holding out for Written on the Wind because I, I love that movie. Um, it's just yeah. such... I just, I'm starting to love Douglas Cirque. Maybe because you and I both love Fassbender. Yeah, I mean, their Art. direct influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because uh, this year I also watched The Marriage of Maria Braun, because of you, actually. Yeah. And uh, You're welcome. I did a... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I discovered that movie before I mean, no, one, no one had heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it was out on the Criterion Collection. Yeah, exactly. I, I tipped those motherfuckers off. <laughs> <laughs> um, But, um, yeah, it's just... It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm excited to watch more Cirque. I'm probably going to revisit All That Heaven Allows. Yeah. Oh, um, that's, that's another resolution for me this year. I'm finally going to watch a Cirque movie. Oh, a Cirque? Oh, you haven't seen one? No, nev- no not one. Oh, wow. Even um, though I, I reference him all the time. <laughs> that that's I'm being you at that time, like referencing a director I've never seen a, a movie from. Um... I would recommend, I mean, considering I've only seen two of his movies, Written I'm, on the Wind and yeah. All That Heaven Allows is a good starting yeah, point. I probably started All That Heaven Allows because it's yeah. earlier than Written on the Wind, so it makes sense to yeah. start there. I know you, you made, like, the kind of movies we talk about with Cirque are actually, like, a couple of, like, six or seven movies, but did, like, a bunch of other movies, such westerns and wars that are, like, very yeah. different that are actually more studio projects. But like he mm-hmm. also did like what's the hangman also died and like yep. and like because no he's I don't know German or Austrian so every German or Austrian director who arrived in Hollywood in the nineteen forties had to make an anti Nazi movie just to <laughs> yeah. test their loyalty. That's kinda of backwards, but yeah. Yeah, it's so like uh Billy Wilder who did uh Five Graves to Cairo, and Fritz Lang did a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, are you you're familiar with the House on American Activities, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, blacklisting and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I... Um, so there's a story of James Cagney. Uh, being considered under investigation for. Uh, you know, for that. And he responded with that. He says, basically, I'll show him and makes Yankee Doodle Dandy. Mm-hmm. So, to be uh, sure, I'm, I'm as American as apple pie. Exactly. <laughs> That's so, thing, yeah. he just was like, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and he also, yeah. What's, what's the uh, Billy Wilder movie he would do uh, later on? One, two, three. Yeah. That's uh, that, that's like like I'm going to pay back for with the janky little dandy. <laughs> I'm gonna make I'm gonna like play like I'm gonna attack capitalism as far as I can. Yeah, just like when I wrote, I wrote down in my notebook while watching the story of film, capitalism. Like I, you did wrote it like, like yeah, capitalism. No, I, like I was mad. Like yeah, but just like your intonation at this point, is, yeah, is, suggests something else. I'm radicalized, baby. Yeah. Um, it's probably in it's Twitter's reactions. fault. What's that? It's Twitter's fault. Yeah. Uh, 
It's probably because when I was watching it, uh, they were talking about uh, Eric von Stroheim's greed. Mm-hmm. And how he filmed literally every scene from the book. Yeah. It was supposed to be 10 hours long, right? Yeah. Yeah, Bellatar, eat your heart out, pal. And and then, like, Louis B. Mayer uh, ended up being his boss. and Yeah. No, actually, so he clashed with Thalberg. It was. Oh, it was Thalberg, okay. Yeah, so he left, I think it was Universal, to go to MGM. And then he mm-hmm. gets there, and it's like, meet the new boss. Same as the old boss. I, I also remember, like... Uh, this is a story that I love so much is that he was filming it and there, maybe this was another movie and that he apparently, like everyone hated him on that set and there was like a, a scene where the lead, had, lead couple had to fight and he said like, hate each other, let you hate me. <laughs> but I love that so much. Yeah, that's great. Um, But yeah, Written on the Wind, I, I it's just such a beautiful film. Um. Of how you were initially like, I'm gonna make it short, and you do. I just make it longer for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is this where d- the flavor comes in. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, written on the wind. Yeah. Directed by Douglas Sirk. Um. So, what do you have to talk about, pal? Okay. So, uh, another thing I really got into this year is uh. Experimental short films, mm-hmm. and my favorite short film I like experimental short film I, I saw this year is Outer Space, nineteen ninety nine. Director directed, but I mean directed is taken very loosely here. Mm-hmm. By uh, I'm gonna ruin this name. Uh, Peter <laughs> Peter Ch- Cherkasky. Okay. Okay. So, like this is ten uh, a ten minute short where he takes a scene from the nineteen eighty one horror movie The Entity, which I haven't seen, but it's referenced mm-hmm. a lot in Kira Jenny's, uh House of Psychotic Woman. Yes. And like he, like when I said like directing is taken very loosely here, is actually more doing the job of an editor. Because mm-hmm. he's massacring the the movie is splicing it editing it like literally torching it torturing mm. it yeah it's it's probably the greatest horror movie of all time like those 10 minutes because it's like other like it's uh frightening in a way you can't explain like if you watch it you're like i didn't understand this hmm. it's like those uh moments in uh persona that you have so like these short bits where the Celluloid is trying to fight itself. Like, that's the best way I can describe oh, it. Oh, where it breaks down? Not the way it breaks down, but, like, certain points where it's just, like... the f- Like, it's... Like, like distorted images, yes, like, uh, spread throughout the movie. Oh, okay. And, uh... This is, like, ten full minutes of that. Whew. It's intense, yeah. And... Um. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Takashi Ito, who's mm-hmm. a Japanese uh, experimental filmmaker. I watched like eight of his movies in one afternoon, and uh, they're very good, but not recommended if you have epilepsy. Like, don't oh, watch they it then. Really flash 
Yeah, I was really nauseous after watching some of them. Like, they're yeah. very intense. Um, Did you watch Unshen Andalut this year, too? This past year? Unshen Andalut? Yeah. <laughs> Mon chéri. So, this is... Just to remind you, this is why you have me on the podcast. Bringo. I, I proof my words. Yeah, you do. Uh... Uh, yeah, I wish that this year was very good. Oh, uh, I probably was the one who's like, you need to watch this. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, uh, talking about me for about it for months, and then I was like, I guess I listened to this asshole. <laughs> wow. Also, by uh, and you also said, yeah, I also watched some Maya Maya Darren movies. Uh, for yeah, you. I love. So I rewatch Meshes of the Afternoon. And Unshen and Andalu, yeah, uh, at least twice a year mm-hmm. because they're um, those two were uh, movies that I was shown in film class. Yeah, you that, mentioned this on the first episode, I think. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I did, but I'll reiterate yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, um, um, it it really challenged and showed me film can be something else than straight story and plot. Um, and now we're just waiting for uh, the person on Twitter to say, to watch a Maya Darren movie and say, this is so Lynchian. <laughs> Shout out to Mar- Marcus Pin. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, one other short film I want to give a mention because it might mm. be the greatest short movie I've ever seen. It's La Jetée by Chris mm-hmm. Marker. <coughs> that's, oh, that's so good. I want to show it to everyone. Like, I just want to like, invite people to my home when it's you know safe to do that and just show it to them. But mm-hmm. most people will just hate me if I do that. So. <laughs> Are you all right? Mm. Yeah, wrong tube. Mm. Wrong pipe, whatever. But, but that could have been a good name for the show, wrong tube. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> if we ever rename the show, hey, I'm, I'm gonna write that down. Wrong too. Good idea. Like people will think we're ripping off a wrong reel. Postmodernism, baby. Yeah. Um. Uh. I. Uh, yeah, that's something else I want to. I, I did this year too, is I watched a lot of short films. Uh, one in particular that you suggested to me. Okay. Um, is it La Première Nuit? Yes. I saved you from pronouncing that. Well, I was just going to pronounce it in English because that's what okay. the letterboxed is. Um, okay. It's like you're... a surreal Truffaut movie. It's uh, Georges Franjou? Yeah. I do who, uh, yeah, I think that's close enough. People will know who you're talking about. <laughs> um, But uh, he... The you know, Eyes Without right. a Face, which yep. I mentioned earlier, and uh, the Judex remake. Yep. He also um, noted some other things, but he's like a lot of his movies are hard to find outside of France. Mm-hmm. Those are like two pretty big ones. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a really good short film because last year, in fact, you introduced like a ton of people to <laughs> two uh, people. <laughs> no, it was it was quite a few. 
I only heard you mention it and then M2 may saying, I want to see this. That's, like, that's the only response I got. Oh, well, no. But last year you did introduce me to Glass. Yeah. yeah. Which I still love. Yeah, that's a great movie. I, I need to watch uh, the director of that, Bert Hanstra. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of his uh, documentaries, like full-length documentaries, are just on YouTube, so I should watch mm-hmm. those. But I'm not sure if they have English subtitles. Yeah. Uh, that's another goal for this year, is more documentaries. But the problem with documentaries that I find is, like, I want more of a documentary like like an Errol Morris. Oh, I, I w- thought you were going to say Sans Soleil or something. That too. Like, like I want more stuff movies th- that like are not just uh, trying to convey information, but actually yeah. trying to be art. Yes, exactly. There's like, I like I didn't want to sound like a snob or something, but I think television and like Netflix and those kind of mm-hmm. things have kind of uh, dumbed it down. Yeah, they like. A lot, like if you watch the Discovery Channel or National Geographic, like they have 15 minutes of information that they stretch out into a hundred, like you know, an hour-long yeah. movie, and they're not really doing anything. They're not really about anything. It's really just giving people information because they don't want to read a book. Very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and they can still of, be interesting if the material yeah. is interesting to you, but they're not necessarily great movies. One that I watched this year uh, that uh, Bradley J. Cornish, co-host of Movies from Hell, sent to me. Uh, it came from Kuchar. Yeah, it's about the Kuchar yeah, brothers. Talking, yeah, he has been and talking about those a lot. And it's really good. Um mm-hmm. What was the one? There was a. Oh, I watched a documentary with my friend Landon mm-hmm. uh, called. I think it was this year. It's called uh, It Might Get Loud. Have you heard of it? No. Tell me about it. Um, So it's a documentary and it's got. It's just about guitars. Okay. From the point of view of three significant uh, rock musicians mm-hmm. Edge from U2. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And Jack White. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a really interesting documentary on the, the creative process. Yeah. Um, and just reinforces how much of a weirdo Jack White is. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, you know the White Stripes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking okay. about. I, just I, make sure. I know who he is. Okay, I figured out of all those names, that's who you would know. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, and Jack White is just like that would be an interesting one to cover sometime. And I on this uh, podcast or that yes, movie, the movie. Yeah. Okay, not him. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and I, uh, I have some. Like, if we we're gonna be a music podcast, one tube would be a better name. Shit, yeah, you're right. Also, uh, also, I just want to mention this before we move on, that uh, La Première Nuit was uh, mm-hmm. recommended to me by Back to the Cinema. Again, yeah, I just, you credit me for that, but actually, like, he watched that. I saw he watched it on uh, 
on Letterboxd and then I tweeted about it. And then, <laughs> so it's like, I kind of feel bad that, uh, I mean, I wasn't trying to take credit. I was just trying to spread the love, but uh, just well, to you make did, sure, like, I do remember you specifically saying like, hey, you would really like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it was something that I was like, this is a very Jake movie. Even though it we is. didn't really knew each other no. that well. Mm-mm. But like, um, it's easy to recommend things to you because you like you have a very open taste, like very oh, widespread I do. taste. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I watched, you know, Andre Rublev and Bloodsport all in the same year. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> That's, I'm just trying to show an example yeah, of my taste. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I once, like this year, I watched the Common Sea and Little Shop of Horrors at the, on the same day. Yeah. That was a great double. Like, not, like, not in the sense that they make thematic sense, but after yeah. Common Sea, you need something like Little Shop of Horrors. The weirdest double feature I ever did was Tukibuki and Friday the 13th Part 3. Perfect. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, who was talking? <laughs> who was talking? What? Oh, were you talking? You were talking about shorts. Yeah, I was talking about shorts. Okay. And I was done. I think I didn't okay. think I have anything else to say. So, it's uh, you. You had a fifth one. You weren't sure you were. You were going to talk about. I'll just bring it up briefly. Yeah. Um, you're gonna try me briefly and I'll ruin it. That's that's the setup of this episode. Um, get to it then. <laughs> we can finish this off quickly. <laughs> uh, it's Andre Rublev from 1966. Okay, I didn't expect you to mention a movie you already talked about. Right, which is what I was going to say is, um, if you guys want to hear me talk about it more, I talked about it in our second episode. Uh, House of the Usher, when we House were talking in the beginning. You always add the D. <laughs> you don't have to. Okay. Um, it's just, again, like I said with Cirque, um, I had watched Stalker before mm-hmm. this and Ivan's Childhood. And Stalker's pretty... Um, not dense, but it's different. Yeah, it was my first Tarkovsky and... Uh... Actually, I think it's the most accessible one I've seen yet. I mean, Solaris is probably more accessible, but Mm -hmm. I like Solaris less. I think uh, Stalker speaks to the imagination a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Um, Which which is more exciting for me, for the person I Uh, know. Yeah. And then I watched um, Ivan's Childhood. I started doing this thing where I was watching uh, his movies in chronological order. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, this is pretty good, but it's not quite there yet. And then I yeah. watched Andre Rublev, and it's like, I get it. I get Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not going to be, like, his best friend or anything, but, like... I mean, you could try. Like, man, that'd be a weird Do you have a Witcher dude. board? Like, we could do a Witcher board <laughs> episode of this and interview him. <laughs> for the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we should um, let people pay for that. I think so too. Like that's a scoop right there. <laughs> Exclusive. But um, yeah, I just get it, and it's just like I want to learn more from Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's just a lot of the moments I think about 
almost every day, like certain moments every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, I know you haven't seen it, but there's a moment involving pagans. Mm-hmm. And uh, he discovers, Andre Rublev discovers these pagans in the night. Yeah. And it's just, it's a great sequence. Uh, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to you watching it. Yeah, me um, too. I'm just holding it off because I know that if I wait a bit, I can sit on the big screen for the first time. So yeah. it's like, it's, uh, I think that's makes it worth waiting for, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, you see it on the biggest screen possible. Yeah. Um, another if, movie. No, if theater still exists, <laughs> but True. probably, uh, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, I think they will. We should I hope start to be positive. Like, I yeah. think people will be more excited than ever to go to movie theater after yeah, this is I do over. Too. Um, another movie that I watched this year that's sort of related is uh, Alexander Sokarov's uh, Russian Yar- Ark. Oh, I thought you were going to mention Forrest Gump again. <laughs> <laughs> again. Also, second episode. Second episode, if you guys want to hear that, and I'll put if it. If you already he- heard it, then you don't remember the joke. Listen to it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I watched uh, Russian Ark. Have mm-hmm. you seen that? I have not seen it. I know of it. That's you know, uh, in one stage, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. Um, it took... They rehearsed for months. Probably like... I want to say like six months. Yeah. It, and uh, it takes uh, several centuries, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what's crazy is... Um, the last, it took them, they'd only did, they did the movie, uh, they had to do two takes because the first one was, uh, screwed up in the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. So they, they had to start the all thing? over. Yeah. They did the entire second take went smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's an amazing film too. This uh, reminds me, have you seen, uh, what's the Japanese horror comedy movie? Uh, that's it. The zombie one that's, uh, I, don't you know what I'm talking about? Like just this, uh, train uh, to Busan. No, not, uh, it's, uh, I can't remember who directed it. No, I don't know. It's a recent movie. It's, uh, about a film crew shooting a zombie movie. Oh, um, one shot of the dead. Yeah. One cut of the dead. One cut it. of the dead. Yep. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like, like uh, that's a movie I think about a lot when I think about people making movies. <laughs> I, it's a movie that I think is kind of uh, overrated. Nothing like I like it, but it's a movie that's uh, its uh, concept is uh, a bit yeah. more interesting than it, the movie uh, at every individual moment. Mm-hmm. But like, I would recommend that to everyone to like just watch it at yeah. least one time. Um, uh, just an honorable mention that I want to kind of talk about real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for the first time this year, I watched, um, I watched Do the Right Thing. Oh, so one of the greatest American movies ever? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, I, I don't know if I watched it during the whole Black Lives Matter stuff this past summer, I, but... yeah. I think it was something even, like, my memory says something right before that, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but um, 
Man, you're right. Yeah, you're you're not joking. It's it is literally one of the greatest American films ever made. Um, yeah, yeah. We we talk a lot about how it wasn't nominated for any Oscars, and I'm just gonna yeah. say, if it would be released today, it would still yeah. not be nominated for any Oscars. No, exactly. Just the Academy will never accept something this radical, so that's why mm-hmm. we should uh, boycott no. the Academy. Yep. Yeah, the Academy is a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, I never, unless I like the movie already, mm-hmm. I never take it into consideration. Like who the hell is watching Broadway melody of 1929? You know what I mean? Only people who want it for his, want to sit for historical value. Exactly. Nobody's like, oh, this is my comfort food movie. Or like this movie makes me cry or, you know, it ma- moves me, you know, yeah. it's just. Like, most of the, no. most of the movies that get nominated for Oscars today are just they're asking to be nominated. It's like yeah. It's like a Christmas list. It's like you get what you want when you ask for it. Yeah, and if you pay enough money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's I mean that's what Harvey Weinstein did for many years. Um and why is why are the Oscars bullshit Leonard? Explain to the audience. Oh, it's this uh, like the, they start because they wanted to suppress a union. Yep. Because yeah, I mean I don't have the exact story, but like soon the Oscar nominations will be announced, and I will share that story again because I do every year. I'm pretty sure every Oscar movie that's uh, every movie great movie that wins an Oscar did so by accident. Mm-hmm. And I'm also sure that like. Like, like, you know, uh, this year, like we were talking about Do the Right Thing, uh, the the Five Bloods came out. Yeah. And immediately, like, the movie was only out for a couple of hours, and people on, were already talking about its its Oscar chances. Like, somehow this was, like, giving it that, like, saying, like, it deserves to win an Oscar is giving it its highest praise, while it actually it says nothing. Because the Oscars means nothing. Yeah, Oscars mean nothing. It's just a status. It's like Hollywood elites uh, celebrating itself. That's basically it. Celebrating its mediocrity. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, that's. I remember tweeting that after Green Book Run. Like, I see the Academy is continuing their tradition of celebrating mm-hmm. mediocrity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just. I mean, think about this. The first two movies to win Best Picture mm-hmm. is Wings mm-hmm. and Sunrise. Wasn't One Sunrise of... like considered like art movie and Wings a popular movie? Like they were separated. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're both great movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen Wings in years, but Sunrise I is seen still Wings ever. But I, I'm sure it's great. I've seen clips of it. Mm-hmm. That's like very. Uh, like intriguing everything I've seen of it. Like Sunrise is one of the greatest movies ever. Like it's the mic yeah. drop of the silent era. Oh, definitely. Like it's um, uh, like this is be this is me being hyper- hyperbolic, but like you could have stopped making movies after Sunrise, and it would like I'm glad they went ahead, but it wasn't necessary yeah. because everything you could do in the movie was already done there. Yep. No, I totally agree. Um, 
I, when I was when I first watched the story of film, yeah, I know I'm talking about it again. No, no, it's uh, good. Like, yeah. Also, I just want people to watch it. It's really good. Yeah, he's been uh, pushing me about it for like a couple of weeks now. Yeah, it's I, on I'll Hulu. Get it from the, I don't have Hulu, but I'll get it from the right. library. Yeah, well, it's on Hulu. It's uh, for your check- American listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I remember the first time I watched it, and I I was kind of like, uh, resistant to it the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about Murnau, and he goes, "F W Murnau is one of the greatest directors to ever live." And I remember just going, Psh, "Sure, bro, whatever you say." And then I had watched, you know, Sunrise and The Last Laugh, and I'm like, we're not worthy, you know? Like, yeah. he's such an amazing filmmaker. Have you seen uh, City Girl? No, I haven't. I've only seen uh, Sunrise, and what's the one? Uh, the Last Laugh. Laugh. Yeah. I've seen that's both of those in the theater, though, so that's something. Yeah. I'm I jealous. watched, uh, the, that's, no, that, like, I, we were talking about, like, worst double features. Yeah. The worst double feature I ever done was yeah. uh, the last laugh. Like that was the second movie. The first movie was a Japanese movie that someone once described to me as uh, Ozu doing mother Aronofsky's mother. It's the most uh, hip hyper movie I've ever seen. Oh, so I watched. Then... then I walked out of that, and I walked five minutes later back into the same theater to watch the last laugh. And those movies don't play together. This... Well. It yeah, because the last choice. bus has no inner titles. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Oh, uh, um, I was just like everyone says this is good. I'll I'll have to see it. But yeah, now it was still just, impressive. Oh and yeah, it, it's great. And there was like live piano, so that, that like it's always oh, fun to listen to live piano. Yeah, I uh one time saw um the Mark of Zorro. Mm-hmm. With a live accompaniment, and it the was Douglas really Douglas Fairbank Senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because there was also one with uh, what's his name from Nightmare Alley, Tyrone Powell. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mentioned that movie, even though that's not like not, not a very typical movie of his. Like, even though he was yeah. one of the biggest stars of 20th Century Fox, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But like yeah. he, like he's less. Uh, like, you know, there are there are actors who were in uh, who weren't as big of a stars at the time, but they were in more yeah. like classic movies by happenstance, yeah. and they they become more iconic, which is weird. Like, yeah. that's like uh, who is she uh, from uh, Diary of the Lost Girl? Louise Brooks. Yeah, Louise Brooks wasn't a big wasn't like a gigantic star at the mm-hmm. time, but she's remembered because those movies are remembered. And Literally then, uh, two movies. And then some star, major stars from the science era are not uh, really that well known by people who aren't obsessed with the silent era. Yeah, she was a great uh, actress. She actually mm-hmm. uh, did a lot of. Um, she wrote some film criticism. Yeah, yeah, and she she talked very frankly uh, later in life about her experience in Hollywood. Yep. Um, she was a very smart woman. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. She had started a novel, and um, I would have given anything to read that novel. Yeah, you um, would have given anything to buy it, and you would sit on it for years. <laughs> but, 
I don't need to be attacked like that, all right? <laughs> you just admitted it before recording. True, I did. Um, but yeah, Louise Brooks is actually one of my favorite actresses of all time. Mm. Um, Pandora's Box would be a fun one to cover. I'll, I'll try to watch it before the silent episodes. Yeah. Um, have you you've seen Diary of a Lost Girl, obviously? No. Oh, okay. I actually haven't seen any of her movies. I just know of her. Yeah, those are her they're, two they're best. They're kind of long. I get like they're kind of like two hours, two and a half. I know Pandora's box is long, but yeah. I don't think Diary of a Lost Girl is. Okay, I'll, I'll have to catch up with it. Yeah. Um. Uh, anything else you want to mention? Mm, what's uh, another movie I'd like to give a shout out to? Uh, like the movie I. I watched for the first time last year and I've rewatched three times since is uh Jonathan Demi's Stop Making Sense. Oh really? Yeah, that yeah, I put that down whenever I'm like in a bad mood because it makes me huh. very happy and I just start dancing. Uh like and gladly there is no one else around so I can dance. It's not yeah. something I would want people <laughs> to see. <laughs> But uh, it's rare that you have like uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, uh, what's called concert films, yeah. That, like where like both the filmmaking and the music are both at highest points of their respective mm-hmm. medium media. Like it's like stop making sense. It's one of my favorite bands, and it's like there at their high point. You then mean Talking have, Heads? Talking Heads? What what did I say? You just said the title of the movie again. Uh, stop my game. Yeah, okay. So Talking Heads is one of my favorite bands. Uh, and you have that, and then you have like the extraordinary like staging and editing from Jonathan Demi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite rewatch of the year? A uh, favorite rewatch? Probably Videodrome. Yeah. Um... I'm going to say my favorite one of the year was uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. Okay. I actually want to change my answer. Uh, my favorite rewatch from the year was uh, Laura by uh, Otto Preminger. Because I, because the first time I watched it, I was not very into it for some reason. And this time I was yeah. like, this is one of the greatest movies from the 40s. Definitely. Um, is there a movie that you were excited to see this year and were let, weren't like, like, it's terrible, but like, it didn't live up to the hype? Give me a second. Um, it's something I was rather dis- like Jules and Jim, I guess. I was really a fan of that. Uh, I'd say for me, Opera, the Dario Gento movie. Yeah. I watched that too, but, but because of uh, you already telling me you weren't a big fan of that one, I was yeah. already prepared for it. Like, I, I still don't hate it. Yeah, I don't either. It's I fun. just was really let down by it. Like, I struggle with Argento because there, there are these, like, incredible set pieces, and then there is a mm-hmm. stuff in between that he that I'm not interested in, and he isn't either. <laughs> yeah, it's noticeable. It shows. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why Inferno, which I also watched for the first time this year, is my favorite Argento. Uh, because he cuts out the plot. It just it's only the the uh, set pieces. 
It's like pure nightmare logic. Yeah, I was gonna say it's almost like his spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I also I just like him when he's more surreal and more in the supernatural mm-hmm. side than the you know slasher giallo sides. Tenebrae mm-hmm. uh, I watched this year. Uh, that I've like I wasn't a bit lukewarm on, but I still liked a lot. There's some great sequences in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. He definitely ripped off Fellini a little bit in that. Also, like, I watched that and I was like, Brian De Palma and him, like, Brian De Palma at that time with Dress to Kill was, mm-hmm. like, uh, Dress oh, to yeah. Kill was earlier, but I think they were kind of, like, looking at each other, like, I'm the better Hitchcock uh, Bebop. I actually think if, like, Hitchcock made movies in the 70s and 80s, like he did actually in the seventies, but I think he would be more of an Argento than a De Palma, actually. Yeah, I agree. Like he um, would have been more surreal. Definitely, because he would have no limits. Yeah, it would be more nasty. Mm-hmm. I think De Palma is more of a crowd pleaser in a sense. I mean, Hitchcock in a sense was well, I. Hitchcock is the definition of a crowd pleaser, so that's a yeah. stupid point. Scrap that. <laughs> no, I'm leaving it in. No, I don't mean. Scrap that oh. literally, I just mean I was wrong when I said that. Okay. Okay. We admit you were wrong. Yeah. Um always and ever. Um I don't know why anyone listens to me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um It's kind of weird to talk about the podcast about movies because you're kinda uh taking on the position of being someone with expertise. But I yeah. really haven't. And I really don't want to come across as that. It just, you know, when you do a podcast, it's kind of like you think you're, of yourself that you're interesting enough that other people have to hear your opinions. Yeah, that's true. It's, um, uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of an ego thing, I guess. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> I, I just like sharing information about movies. That's yeah. it. I'm not an expert, you know. But, um, all right, so, uh, why don't we, uh, bring this bad boy in for a landing, uh... About time. I, yeah, um... <laughs> no, it was next, fun. Yeah. No, it was a good episode. I had a good time. Um... We haven't fucked it up as much as we did on other episodes, <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> um, our next episode is, is, an, is a series that we're gonna start doing that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um... We're doing a movie where Leonard and I pick a movie for each other that are is one of our favorite movies, and we swap them and we watch them, and we're gonna try and make it so that they that uh, each of us has not seen the movie before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called uh, "I'll Show You Yours If You'll Show Me Mine." Uh, it's no, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. You said it wrong the last time as well. Damn. All right. Well. Potato, potato. If you, at least if you uh, put it right in the podcast description. That's all that matters. Episodes. Yeah. Um, and you will be watching Three Colors White. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably I be... watch all three Three Colors movies. I might do that too, because I still haven't seen Red. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think Red also builds a bit on the previous two, I've heard. Mm-hmm. So it's, it would be good to watch them together. And then I am going to be watching John Borman's Point Blank. Yeah, 
I, I might try to watch some other John Berman movies, but I can't promise anything. Yeah, no, it's not a big deal if you can't. Um, yeah, it's just like, it would be good for context, but yeah, John definitely. Berman seems like the kind of director who doesn't always, uh, like he isn't uh, someone who has a distinctive style in any one of them, like he... Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode should be out... Um... I'll cut the that first out. week of uh, of February. Yeah, this this episode should be out the first week of February, and then the uh, point blank uh, three colors white episode will be out uh, like the last week of February. Mm-hmm. Um. With that being said, uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter under the name Monsieur Marlowe. Uh, you, you can follow me on there if you want. I wouldn't recommend it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a possibility. Uh, Probably uh, most people who listen to this already do. Yeah. Um, you can follow me at Spade Archer Jake on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking about making the show have a Twitter page, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll uh, see about that. And you can also uh, read his uh, words on the C4 Cinema blog, which he always forgets to to plug. <laughs> Where... Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about actually writing something about the story of film, sort of a reflective piece. Yeah. Um. And uh, I might that might be coming in the coming months. Uh, we uh, hope you guys are having a safe and happy new year. Um, that hope that everybody's staying healthy and you know wearing a mask. Uh, you can punch people if they are not wearing a mask. I'm just saying, but you you don't hold me accountable on that. Yeah, no, Leonard. <laughs> uh, what Leonard says is hearsay. Um, uh, thanks. but you can call them bad names yeah you know yell uh, at them from a distance don't touch them yeah yeah because they might have the virus yeah um but uh with that being said uh we want to thank everybody for listening and we hope you all have a great day take care guys take care a talking picture Bye.